we apologize for the background noise. We kind of del- kind of rushed into this episode and recorded it with the windows open. Cars have been going by, but it's a short episode, so I hope you enjoy it. So you missed this last Sunday ritual. I did, and it was a tragedy. How yeah. how was it, honestly, uh, for you? This week has been the hardest week for me because I feel more isolated and disconnected than ever. Like I felt, you know, three or four years ago when I was in deep depression. And I know still intuitively that I'm still intimately connected with the people around me. And that's what I feel when I'm up in that ritual setting is I feel that oneness and connectedness with you guys, which resonates to or uh, expands to incorporate everyone and everything, that connectedness. And missing that ritual made me revert back to my old patterns of feeling alone and isolated. And it made me more, I guess, hostile, like viewing my wife and thinking she's not doing enough I'm doing everything and like projecting that onto her and it's just not a constructive or positive um, thing to do because really I mean we're all trying our hardest and I guess the main focus is my focus has has come off of my focus on myself and has become a focus on others. Right. I wanted to say that I'm glad that I didn't miss this week. Um, I mean, there's no reason I would have, but I'm, it was reaffirming to be able to go into that setting with just Tom and and Dad and I mean it's it, thinking about it ahead of time it was a little intimidating it was like alright I'm going to go into that vulnerable setting with just you know the same the same ritual that we've been doing for I think 26 weeks now and it's the same same exact except one of the people's got, are missing so it's not the same exact it's a completely different dynamic in a lot of ways and that was um it brought a lot of fear and just i was just worried about it but being able, but going there um and and doing the ritual without you was very reaffirming because i was able to get through the the ritual setting just as I normally would have um, without allowing the dynamic of you not being there affecting it too much. It reaffirmed in myself that, you know, I, I don't know, I'm strong enough to get through that setting because, I mean, really, that, that setting is, it's not easy for me to get through. It, it's, it's probably the most difficult time of my, of my week each week. Anyway, it was, uh, yeah, so that's what it was like without having you there, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, that's good that it was beneficial, and I thought it might be like an an, uh, interesting challenge for all you guys, being the dynamics different. I know how changing the the ritual in slight ways 
can be a challenge. But I'm glad you guys did it. And in one way, I was really disappointed to miss out. And the other way, I'm grateful that I got to experience life without this ritual. Because life without this ritual is a shell of what it could be. And I know that. I mean, I always did know that. But right now, it feels more real than ever. This week, the first on Monday, it felt like I was stuck in a rut. And it was just a vicious cycle. I could never get out of it. And that's how I used to feel when I was in depression. It was this feeling of hopelessness that you can't change anything. But in this ritual, I know for a fact, because we have, that we can change stuff about ourselves. And that's all I need to focus on. What happens when this hopelessness sets in is I start focusing on other things, other people, and critiquing them instead of just focusing on what I can do. I know that if I focus on what I can do and I work towards trying to be better every day, every week, that things will change for the positive. And that has been shown in my life. Right. And you, and, but you're saying as opposed to not having the ritual you have with the ritual, you have a base to go back to every week and revisit and talk to the same people. Yeah. Which is helpful. I'm not- yeah, I mean, definitely. It's not even really just like talk the things we talk about. I mean, that's probably like one percent of what it is. the The big, vast majority of it is um, processing underlying emotion or psychic material that majority of the time goes unrecognized and unnoticed and repressed. By psychic material, you mean like trauma I mean is anything that anxiety. anything that goes on in the in the mind right anything that's in like the subconscious slash unconscious yeah right and the telekinesis too <laughs> right on <laughs> no but it just gives me a way to process underlying things subconscious and unconscious material that if I don't process affects my life in ways that I don't even realize like Carl Jung said that which is not recognized people that don't recognize their unconsciousness will go their whole life not realizing why they behave the way they do yeah essentially I mean, I, I'm blanking on the exact quote right now but yeah it's essentially it they will call it fate and oh, right. they right. won't realize what why yeah. they do what they do but it's this unconscious that they have failed to recognize what he's saying is, like, they'll call it fate because, like, for me, for example, I, I can only use myself as an example because it's the closest thing to me, but, like, my drug uh, my drug history in the past, my behavior in the past, just who I was, um, someone, I could have called it fate. It was until I was able to, or at least tried to work on myself and my unconscious that I was able to change my behaviors and change my enti- my habits change all of that exactly and i would take it further than just understanding or acknowledging your unconscious in like uh, a literal way with words but take it to a point where you're feeling the emotions and the things that are underlying it's not a logical understanding that is as that's not as valuable as the really just feeling that stuff because if it doesn't get felt it gets repressed and 
it manifests in other ways. That which is repressed gets manifested. That is what I've learned. Repressing my fears, create them in my life. Right. Like when you said, uh, you said that quote, Descartes says, I think, therefore I am. And, but you told me you would change it to, I feel, therefore I am. Yeah. Well, that was what this really cool herbalist guy, Stephen Brunner, he wrote a bunch of books, but that's one thing I read in his book. And I was like, that makes perfect sense. Like thinking is not the primary or primal thing. Feeling is far more primal than, than thinking. Thinking developed after to make sense of our feelings, really. But thinking is a logical um, tool, really, that we use. But feeling is just the most primal thing we have. And learning to trust our feelings and feel more is hard. But I think it's what really gives us the the will to live and I mean truly live not just exist and uh, survive and procrastinate death but to truly feel alive right like we, like we are when we're kids that's why we you and I have talked a bit about this and um, about having a um, a coming of age ritual or a a rite inten- of passage. A rite of passage, which would be like an intentionally induced. Uh, I guess in our and what we're doing each week, at least I can speak for myself. What I'm doing is I'm putting myself in a in a mini, mini ego death ritual. I don't know if you noticed, but I changed um, on the Instagram page. I added to the end of our bio. I wrote ego death rituals because ultimately, to me, it 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 feels like I'm allowing the feeling of death in more and more every Sunday. And then the way that it, it gets um, manifested, I guess, throughout my week, I'm able to explore myself and be more open and vulnerable just because, you know, it's like the more you let, you know, people might get the wrong idea. You let death in. Oh my God, you're going to become crazy or scary. But like, that's not the case. It's the more you let death in, the more. Or they just think it's like morbid. Like I thought I tell people about it and they're like, why do you think about death so much? That's morbid. But it's like the more you can accept death, the more you can truly live. That is what I've learned. And the more you can accept death, the more you realize it's not like, it's not bad. Like, it's terrifying, yes, but it's not bad. It's not evil. It serves a essential, vital purpose. And, I mean, I think the thing that holds people back most in life, in fact, I think what has led humans to lead ourselves to global destruction is our fear of death and our unwillingness to accept it. It makes us want to amass as much money as we can and build monuments and buildings and cities and do all these things that make us feel like our effect will last forever because we're afraid that our bodies we're afraid that we will not last forever our bodies won't and they won't and that fear that we don't accept and it's just 
lies underneath our unconscious just creates so much in our lives that we don't even realize, I believe. Right. Well, so what what we were talking about, at least something I would propose, is having rites of passages um, amongst our entire culture would be great around maybe 16 or or 17 or 18 years old. Um, I guess in a way going to college is kind of a rite of passage, but it's, yeah, but it's, 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 I mean, we have rite of passages, but they're just, they are, um, devoid of the, the meat of what a rite of passage is. Like, right. The meat of it is feeling and, and confronting our deepest fears and, and, dealing with the hardest things to deal with whereas going to college it's like they just you just get sent off to college and it's like there's just well there's there's also um the the highest cases of um what schizophrenia is between 18 and 25 yeah huge transition periods that we can't understand and can't make sense of because we don't have a, a rite of passage that's what a rite of passage is it's a it's a ritual to uh, signify a transformation. And what happens in this ritual is, is you come out a different person than you went in. There's this the preliminal stage, or the liminal stage, and the postliminal stage. And in archaeo- or, uh, anthropology, the lim- liminal stage is this stage of uh, limbo where you're not really who you were before, but you haven't developed into something else. And this is like a scary experience. It's always scary, but you come out a changed person. And that is what's scary. You have to sacrifice who you are. Like Native Americans doing a, a vision quest. They, the kids, 16, 15-year-olds, go into the forest, maybe for a day or two or a week, maybe with psychoactive plants as well. And they face death. They're on their own. And when they come out, they come out a different person. They come out ready to be independent and, and seize the world and conquering their fears. And uh, that is what is very, very lacking in our society. And uh, I mean, for me, not having that led me to just procrastinate everything and just get through life. It, it led, led me to distract myself habitually from everything because it was just about being okay in the present moment and being okay in the present moment to me meant playing video games watching tv or doing something on the internet and in that moment I was okay but what I was doing was I was sacrificing my whole life I was essentially accepting death by ignoring it and Although my body would live on, I was ceasing to exist on a on a spiritual level and a emotional level. I didn't didn't really do anything, and I just kept kept getting more and more depressed. Felt like you were in like a void. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I just felt felt hopeless to change, and rather just ignore and distract myself from reality yeah I did that for a long time and um, 
if there's one thing that I'd like to say about psychedelics is they showed what it showed me is that well so let me before I had done the psychedelics you know I thought I had everything figured out or at least I told myself I did I I went through life as if whatever like I could justify everything I did because in my own head because to me it was right and I was doing a lot of things that weren't right um and a lot of things some things that were right and I would I would just justify it in my own head now when I took the psychedelics it was like I needed to confront that stuff and it didn't it it just opened me up and showed me a different um a different viewpoint on who I was and what I was doing like I I could perceive myself um from a different through a different lens and what psychedelics showed me is that I have uh, it they I have no idea of what life is all about but what it also did was it allowed me to see that and now I can rediscover what life means to me and what what everything means to me it's it's like it's like a veil has been lifted and now I can um just uh try to try to try to figure out my 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 place in life whereas before there was no doubt about it i was just habitual habitually killing myself with drugs and and uh that's that's all there was to it sorry for the late podcast episode we are in the process of looking for people to interview on our to join us on our podcast and talk about their experiences and we're hoping to get some people on to join us in the next episode and coming episodes if you're if you're a fan or you're interested in rituals or anything psychedelics um message us and let us know and we can have you on the podcast thanks